You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening. Uh, uh, that's good. Uh, really do want to pray, however, that uh, that identity that we have in him, that we'll know that even better as we focus on who he is, because that identity is all about him. Uh, you know, who I am is because of what he has done. Well, no, here's how I want to say that. I pray that you'll, you'll leave here knowing that you're valued because of him. You know, sometimes we want to, oh, you're just wonderful, you know, like, like that. But it's when we see that he gave up everything for us, when we understand that value uh, that God has given us. That's what I, want, I hope we can really focus on. I do need to start with a confession here before we get into the uh, passages of the day. Um, that is, uh, I believe I've violated the 11th commandment. And uh, in our house, the 11th commandment was, you do not do anything Christmassy until Thanksgiving dinner is over. Okay, anybody else like that? Okay, I mean, we've always, I've been real strict about that. You don't play Christmas music. Uh, I guess my wife did some Christmas shopping, but she's always been a little rebellious. Uh, and, uh, yeah, she did, she did that stuff, but, but we didn't do any celebrating of Christmas until then. I mean, that was a hard, fast rule. And you know how, you know, a lot of times you see sometimes people, they gradually slide into sin and misbehavior. Uh, I've got to admit, last year, <laughs> last year, uh, we that was our 40th Christmas together. For 39 years, Francis and I had gone out, whether it was the day after Thanksgiving or the day after that or the next week, gone out to the old Christmas tree farm and, uh, or just the neighbors. <laughs> no, no. Uh, we went out to the Christmas tree farm and we got down that tree and we brought it back and it was a beautiful thing. Family time of sharing. Last year, Somewhere about this time of year, I walked into Costco and thought, that looks like a nice tree. <laughs> and, and that was the step downhill right there. I bought an artificial tree uh, that's still up in, in the attic and, you know, just kind of ruined it. And I thought, yeah, Josh is starting with our little video about our, our I was going to say pumpkin patch, right? gingerbread house, thanks, uh, thing coming up. So we're, we're all about Christmas. I feel kind of bad about that because I really don't want to give you too much. However, my excuse is this. As I, uh, as we even began last week and talked about the idea and, and was really asking the Lord, you know, where would you have us to look and focus in during the holiday season this year? Uh, the verse that we started with last week is uh, those who know their, your name, those who know God's name, they know who he is, will trust him. And I really wanted to focus, it goes back to the little books that we have, the names of God. I wanted to, just to learn to know him better because those who know his name will trust his heart. And I really want to encourage you into that relationship with him by knowing his name better. So we're going to uh, dig into a passage of scripture that is normally associated with Christmas time and begin to talk about some of those names of God that we celebrate in particular around Christmas. And I felt like I needed to get a head start on it because I really want to talk about uh, the Prince of Peace idea, but then I get digging into this passage and it's even more. So, so I want to start by reading the passage that I'm referring to here from Isaiah chapter 9. And uh, just as it introduces the whole thing, by the way, I, I'll mention this too. Generally, um, I believe that God would have me preach in a way that uh, there's different terms used for it, but where I just go through a book of the Bible 
and whatever term you use for that, I it, it really has helped me to stay focused on what God wants to teach and not go off on what I want to do. And so I really tried to do that. For the next couple months as we go through this, it will be more of a, I'll jump around to different texts a little bit uh, as we look at the name of God. But this text will be our anchor that we keep coming back to from Isaiah chapter 9. But describing, and he's going to describe the coming of Jesus Christ here, but he says, there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. And in the former time, he brought in contempt the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Uh, Again, some of this we'll go back and dissect later. But the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them... Has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You've increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, and they're glad when they, they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, has been broken on the day of Midian. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And this is the part that starts to sound more familiar. He has described the situation in the earth before the coming of the king, but now we see the prophecy of Jesus and on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it and with justice and with righteousness for this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of the hosts will do this. Every boot of the trampling warrior in battle, tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned in the fire. There'll be no more of this warriors in war. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name, well, that will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And we're going to begin by dissecting and looking a little bit at that name, Wonderful Counselor. Now, uh, my ability to uh, dig into the original languages of Scripture is limited. We'll say it like that. I have had a little Greek study, and I can occasionally attempt a Greek word. I don't do too much as far as trying Hebrew words. I don't know if you've ever heard Hebrew pronounced. There's a lot, and and I'm not great with it. I like that, so I'm not going to dig into that, but I do want to tell you that as I did dig into them, the, the word wonderful really at its root has that idea right there that it is beyond human comprehension. Okay, when it's talking about a wonderful counselor. By the way, there are so many different facets of God's Word and different ways you can look at the idea of Him being a wonderful counselor. We sang about Him being the guidance and, and guiding us through dark, and you think of things like that. But the idea that we're going to look at today is actually thinking about Him as a counselor that we would go to and what advice He would give us. And we're going to look at a couple different stories of Him giving that counsel. So, We find, first of all, that he is beyond human comprehension, but then he is one who guides into God's eternal plan. So he guides us into God's eternal plan in a way that is beyond our comprehension. Sometimes we don't even understand exactly how we're doing doing that. So we're going to dig, we're going to take a little look uh, at some of the counseling that Jesus did. So so we're going to read quite a bit here today because I want to read two different stories uh, from Jesus' encounters with people. The first of them is in, from John chapter 4. It says that there was a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus had sat down at the well, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. 
For this disciples had gone away into the city to buy food, and the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, asked me... Ask a drink from me, a woman of Samaria. And um, we're going to go through and read the rest of the story without me interrupting, but I just want to point out to you the significance of what took place here. Jesus is stopping to talk to a woman, first of all, a Samaritan that they wouldn't have had anything to do with. Jesus is stopping to talk to a woman that a man wouldn't have had anything to do with at this time. Jesus is stopping to talk to a woman that will find out of, we'll say, of ill repute that nobody would have anything to do with. And I want you to see at the beginning of this counseling session how Jesus dignifies her in these ways. Okay, I want you to understand that, that there is obviously a relationship there, and she is made to feel, you know, I talked about as we sang that last song, I thought about that, you know, this is who I am. Well, yes, uh, and, and so much I want us to find our value in that. You know, we, we try so much with, I want you to have good self-image and self-confidence and everything like that. But I think the greatest thing that people need to know is that the God of the universe laid down his life for them. Okay? And then I can sing. Because of that, I can sing I'm a child of the Most High God. And because of what he has done, nothing that, that I deserve in that way. And you see Jesus here give dignity to this woman. I'm going to go down to where it says, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God. Oh, I'm sorry, she says, you asked me to drink, why would you do that? He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is this saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. <laughs> Resurrection power throwing through my veins. That, think of that when we were singing that too. And the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with. The well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give will never thirst again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. I'm sorry. The woman answered, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, hey, you said that right. You don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. The one you're with right now is not your husband. And uh, what you've said is true, the woman said. Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. She's going to turn it religious conversation here for a second. But you say that in Jerusalem and in a place where people, uh, uh, Jerusalem is a place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me. The hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Your worship, uh, what you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is for the Jews. But the hour is coming, is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is a spirit, and those that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The woman said to Him, I know the Messiah is coming. He was called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then the disciples came back. They marveled. Why is he talking to this woman? But no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking to her? So the woman left her water jar and she went into the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of town and uh, out of the town coming to him. Amazing that this woman, no theological training, but she had just met Jesus. She goes and she tells people, come see a man. And they say, we're in. There's something real here. Uh, that's a fascinating story. I want to I read another story of counseling and then come back and dissect them both for a minute. 
from Mark chapter 10. As he was sitting, uh, I'm sorry, setting out on his journey, a man ran and knelt before him and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Don't, uh, do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Don't uh, celebrate Christmas before Thanksgiving. And he said to them, just want to see if you were listening. Uh, and he said to him, teacher, all those have I kept. And Jesus, look at this next phrase for a second. Jesus looking at him. What's the next two words? You remember with the woman that, uh, hey, this was somebody who cared about her. I always remember that when you think about a counselor. A counselor, the phrase is this, people don't care what you know until they know you care. But it really is true. And, uh, and Jesus, to the woman, the first thing he does is he honors her. He dignifies her. What does it say with this man? Jesus looked at him, and he loved him. And he said to him, you lack one thing. Sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away very sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now, I want to somewhat apologize again because I realize there are a ton of things in both of these stories that we could get into. Uh, there are many different sermons that we could find here. What I want to focus on a little bit and get you to look at with me is the way that Jesus counseled or how he counseled because in both of these stories, uh, they resonate so deeply with me. In other words, when I am... Uh, in need, a lot of times when my spirit is not where it should be, where I am struggling, stuff like that, I hear what Jesus does here. I see what Jesus does here, and I ask myself those same questions, and they, they, they hit a ton of problems. I won't say they hit all our problems, but in these two things and the issues that Jesus addresses. So what we're going to do is take some time today to try to dig into the way Jesus did the real problem. Okay? Now, I'm not going to have you lie down and, you know, tell me how your mother loved your brother better than you did and, uh, or better than, you know, you and, and uh, you know, gave him a dog and you a chicken or anything like that. Uh, I'm not going to go into the details. Of, now, truth is, those things are real. I don't, I don't really, I shouldn't have said that in mockery because some of those things are real. Truth is, my mom didn't tell me she loved me. Uh, and dad did even less. Uh, and it hadn't affected me a bit. Uh, but, but, you know, but sometimes we get into these situations where we're, uh, we, 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 okay, we figured out what the problem is, you know, or, or what might have contributed to the problem. But Jesus doesn't leave them there. He just, he kind of goes and says, hey, let's get to what is really at the heart of the matter. We can't go back and change a lot of things in the past. Let's get to what the real heart of the matter is. What is the real problem? Jesus is always addressing heart issues. What does he say to this woman? Go and call your husband. You see, well, then Jesus is pointing out that she lived in wickedness. Now you have to follow the whole conversation. She says, you know, I've had five husbands. Uh, well, I'm sorry. He says, you've had five husbands. Let's point this, this out here. There is something that this lady is trying to fill her life with that is temporal and not eternal. She is trying to find, you know, hey, what is that next thing that is going to make me happy? What is the next thing that will fill up my life? What is the next thing that will give my life meaning? And Jesus has said to her, hey, drink of the water that I give you. You're not going to thirst again. This isn't a temporary thing. I'm going to give you a life that wells up inside of you. Uh, that's what I want to do. I want to give you something that's real, that's last. I don't want you to keep trying to fill your life up with things that are temporary. I don't want you to find that next thing that you're hoping will satisfy because you're not going to find it. Now let me jump to the other story. He asked this man, why do you call me good? 
He said the only thing one good is God. You know who I am, okay? In fact, if you, if you read through that story again, you'll see this guy really knew the answer to his question ahead of time. And Jesus kind of pointed that out. You, you know, but here, here's the thing. Just as this woman had this problem, she was trying to fill up her life with things that were temporary. She was trying to satisfy an eternal whole with things that were temporary, and it doesn't work. Just as that was the case with her, with him, what he is doing is he wants the benefits of a kingdom without a king. Okay? I, I, I like the whole idea of eternal life. I like that. But this idea of you... Lording over me like that, yeah, I'm not willing to follow what you said. Okay, so let's, let's dig into this a little bit further, okay? We're getting into the real problems that they had. Uh, one is trying to fill up her life with things that are temporary. The other wants the benefits of a kingdom, but not the... Oh, by the way, um, sorry, I just saw a little note that I, I did want to mention here. No, I don't. Never mind. Let's go on. Uh, divine prescription. Okay, so what does Jesus say? So Jesus says to this woman, here's what I have for you. I want to offer you living water. I want you to drink of this well. I want you to know real life. I want you to know what it is like to have me. Okay? Do we or do we not see a world full of people who are trying to satisfy themselves with things that are temporary? Don't we? Whether some of the things are good, some of the things are bad. Some of the things are harmful and hurting them. Some of them are not inherently bad things, but they've tried to fill their life up with them and say, hey, this is ultimately going to satisfy me. The next job, the next house, the next car, the next whatever, the next person, the next relationship, whatever it is, that is going to satisfy me. And Jesus says, well, wait a minute, I have something that will actually satisfy. I have something that will end your quest. I have something that will fill you up and give you something that lasts on the inside. And that's what what I want you to have. I want you to know me. I have uh, mentioned this, and, and please understand, I, I was going to grab my journal and bring it in. I forgot because I, like I like to show you that. I like to share that I take time to journal because it has been something that has re revolutionized my life, and I want to share it with you. I, I would like at the same time you to see my journal because you would know I'm not bragging. You'd find all types of days when I missed and you'd find days when well, he just wrote down a couple things or anything like that. But I wanted to tell you something that God did in my life during that time of journaling. I've always had this little thing that I go through where I kind of weigh in and just try to be honest before God. Uh, there's an acrostic for the word sachet. And you ask yourself, okay, am I sad? Am I angry? Uh, am I uh, scared about anything? Uh, am I happy? Am I excited? Am I tender? That's the sachet I just spelled out there. And I've done that for a while, and I, but I thought, you know, the real question that I want to ask myself, and as I change my words around so that I have a new word, I took some of those letters, I made a new word, uh, and the word begins with a C, because the first thing that I always want to ask myself is, am I close? Because, listen, for me, and I... I yeah, the biggest thing, if I could say, hey, if I could go back and do some things over again, if I could share something with you that, that are younger than I am in particular and say, I have lived an awful lot of my Christian life and I've lived the Christian life. I've been in it. There's no argument. I've been in you know, church and everything and stuff like that, but I have lived an awful lot of that and even my service for God without him. I, I don't know how else to say that. You say, you mean you weren't saved? No, I believe I, I, I had trusted the Lord as my Savior, but I was, you know, then I'd gone off and said, hey, somehow, you know, I got to do this on my own. And as far as having a close walk with Him, and uh, so what the journal has done is help me come back to each day and stop and say, hey, wait, a minute, wait a minute, you know, how am I doing here? 
you know, am I going, am I barging through life doing this on my own or am I trusting in him and, and living out a life like this? Because that, that's, that's what it's up. To whatever degree I want you to be involved in church, I want you to be involved in church so that you're knowing a closeness to him that is helping you with that. To whatever degree, you know, that I want you to read your Bible and pray, that's why. I want us to really understand what this is like because that's what Jesus said. He said, you're trying to fill yourself up with other things. I'm what's going to fill you up. Okay, drink of this water that I give, that resurrection power inside your life. I have no guarantee that I can change the circumstances of your life ever. In fact, I have a guarantee that I can't. Uh, but what I'm saying is that through everything, I know that I have him. You know, sometimes we're like, well, you know, you follow him and your problems go away. I don't know that I completely understand. I hear this term all the time, the prosperity gospel. I, I, I hear it. I'm not sure I completely understand what they mean. But sometimes we get this idea that we come to Christ for what, we come to Christ as a means to an end, okay? Let, let me jump to the other guy here for a second. We come to Christ as a means to an end, but Jesus is the end, okay? Now, that, that, that might sound uh, cliche-ish a little bit, you know, process that a little bit. We come to the crisis, okay, if I'm going to surrender to him, uh, I'm going to do it so that he'll make my life work, okay? That's what I want. The, the rich young ruler comes in, he says, hey, I want eternal life. How do I have it? Jesus said, well, here's what I want you to, I want you to do. Ah, no, I don't want to do that. And a lot of times there is that, there is that something that I'm holding on to. There is that place where I will not be obedient. And it says, if follow me and do, do what I want. See me not as a means to an end, but as the end. Okay? I'm not the way you get in life what you want. See, that is why I'm not going to preach to you, hey, if you will trust Jesus Christ, God will take away all your problems. I am not going to preach that at all. Uh, there's a verse in Scripture that people love to quote, and it's a great verse, great life verse or whatever like that. Jeremiah 29, 11, I think some of you could quote it with me when I started. God says, I know the plans for you. I have plans to prosper you. But remember that that is written to people that were in exile. Uh, they're going through a hard times. And I'm, again, I don't think we go to Jesus. So, Jesus, you can straighten out my whole mess that I have life go. I go to Jesus. Hey, here, here's the thing. I go to Jesus because I am a sinner who needs forgiveness. Okay, and I trust in him to forgive me and what, you know, and just say, hey, that's, that's you. Uh, th this is what he wants to do. But I think this guy was thinking, hey, you know, wait a minute, I'm going to go for Jesus. For... And a lot of us think like that for what we can get out of it. Okay, so as, as we examine this, I am hit myself with two questions as I look at these two stories. One of the questions, very simply, is what are the temporal, temporal solutions in which I'm trusting? Okay, I find this all the time, okay? Rather than my closeness to Jesus, what else am I trusting, whether it is to make me happy, solve my problems, or whatever like that, where am I putting my trust? I am putting something in his place. What's that called when you put something in his place? That is an idol, okay? And I examine that in my own life, and I understand that I struggle with that. No wonder commandment number one uh, deals with that, because that is something that we kind of go back to a lot of time, is that idea of I'm going to put something in there. And that's a, th this woman, you know, I'm trying to fill up my life with something else. And Jesus says, no, I'm the only thing that's going to fill up your life. It's only going to be like that. So I often have to ask myself, you know, like I said, when I get to a situation, and come on, come on you, you've been there, right? You've been there sometimes, this day stinks. 
I don't even know if I believe anymore. Okay? I'm mad. It's terrible. My life stinks. It's in the gutter and everything like that. When I get to that place, I often have to go back and ask myself that question. Well, where am I as far as that goes? What am I trusting in? Where have I abandoned trusting in him? And instead, I have something else in there. And when a lot of times, the answer is as clear as day. Again, I'm not saying this solves all our problems, but I'm saying if we ask ourselves these two questions, they, they help us a lot. Jesus counsels us, and he says, hey, let me show you something here. You're trusting in something besides me. A second thing that I have to ask myself is, where am I holding out? And again, I'm just trying to be, you know, somewhat, hey, this is what God has taught me. But I have many times practiced what I'll call partial obedience and think that's good enough. <laughs> I love to do that. Uh, you know, hey, well, I gave you this, God. You know, I did this for you. But there's an area many times that God continues to say, hey, this is what I'm telling you. I think when the rich man, young man came to him, he knew. Wait, why do you call me good? Well, he knew. He knew this was God. He knew this was king. He knew this was one. I don't like having a boss. Okay, uh, many of you know I was a, uh, worked at a school for 30 years, and the first 12 of those years I was the administrator. And let that keep you up at night. But um, but uh, the last 18, when I was a teacher, they would bring in different administrators, and they didn't last all that long. I think I counted this morning. I was going through. I think I went through eight of them, <laughs> and maybe it was me who went through them. I don't. I don't know. But uh, maybe I'm why they quit. But I was thinking, you know, for the most part. I had more tenure than everybody. I was the old guy and everything like that. Nobody really messed with me. <laughs> Just let him go do his own thing. Uh, we won't worry about him. But every once in a while, I would get a boss that started to act like a boss. Yeah, don't you hate that? Uh, you know, I don't know. And folks, I'm not saying when I'm talking about, by the way, back to like a job that you're not satisfied. I'm not saying there's never a time to quit a job or anything like that. I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying that if I think, if I think the next thing is going to satisfy me and that's going to be the answer to everything, I'm off because the only thing that's going to satisfy is Jesus. Sorry, I got off tra track for a second. But uh, back, back to that idea. I don't, I don't like somebody bossing me. I don't like somebody telling me what to do. I like the idea of them running the place and keeping it going smoothly and leaving me alone. The rich young ruler says, I want eternal life. I like that idea. I like the idea of your kingdom. That's awesome. But I'm not too crazy about you being the king who's going to tell me what to do. And this is as simple as could be as far as base one of counseling. We, uh, we actually did a... Well, Start to lie there. I didn't do a counseling class. I signed up for a counseling class this fall. I did half of it. Uh, we've had some different family things going on where I only made it to half the sessions. My wife only made it to one out of six. I'm just saying I'm ahead of her. Uh, actually, because it was her family and she had more going on. We did have a few folks, uh, Chris and Marie Slough and uh, Hannah Galvin and Amy Niffen. They all completed the course, uh, went through and, and worked on the counseling thing. So, uh, but they went through. And, but one of the biggest ideas of that counseling that, uh, that did resonate at the beginning is I'm not anybody's savior. I can't solve anybody's problems. What I want to do as a counselor is point you to the one who can. And more than anything, so that my, my goal real simple today is that. I just want to say, hey, yeah, yeah, I'm not suggesting that these two things solve, make every problem in your life go away, but I do think it is well worth me saying to God, God, is there a place in my life where I've substituted something in for you, something else I've tried to satisfy myself with other than you? God, is there something where I know what you want me to do? 
I'm going to kind of ignore that one. Come on, you've been there, right? We played that, played that little, little game we've been there. I uh, want to mention one more thing here before we close. The uh, Oh, you know what? I, I forgot to tell you I did this. I got so guilty about how festive the first slide was that I did the rest in black and white. Not Christmassy at all. We're going to turn the color back on for a minute just as we reflect on the wonderful counselor here for, for another moment. Uh, John chapter 4 is the story we read about the woman at the well. In John chapter 3, somebody else came to Jesus. The Bible says there's a man by the name of Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee. He knew the law backwards and forward. He came in uh, to Jesus, and Jesus straightforward said to him, hey, here's the thing. Let me get to the real issue here. You must be born again. Okay, you must have this new life that only comes through me. We, we don't really need to talk about that other stuff. Let's get to the, the important thing. As you pray for the elections coming up on Tuesday, and I hope you do. I hope you pray. I hope you research. And I hope you vote. Uh, but as you do that, I want to tell you that the only hope for America, stay with me. Don't, don't respond to this. The only hope for America is a red wave. Wait, wait, what did he just say? Uh, some of you are like, yeah, that's right. Uh, some of you are like, I'm leaving. I'm out of here. Uh, stay with me. I'm not talking about a political party. Okay? The only hope for America is the red wave of the blood of Christ washing people clean from sin. That is the only hope. Don't get too excited one way or another where, where, the, where the election ends up because the only hope you say, yeah, what are you talking about, the red wave of Jesus' blood? It's a terminology scripture use some that talks about being washed in the blood of Christ, but it means that I realize that that blood of Jesus Christ was shed to pay for my sin, and I trust and I believe in that. I believe that I'm a sinner, and I believe that I need forgiveness, so I trust in that. And the, the, the symbol that God uses is like that blood washes over me and it washes me clean. In fact, we heard that same type of symbolism a little bit in the passage we read at the beginning of Isaiah. Uh, that idea of being washed and being cleansed and, and that the, bl the blood wash washing over that, that idea. And that is the first point of counseling that Jesus is going to give. Wait a minute. You know what the real issue is here? You need me. Okay. Yeah, maybe... Uh, uh, maybe you got into the place now where there's some other idols in your life that have creeped in or have stayed there and you won't get rid of them. Maybe there's some places of obedience where you know God has called you to do something and you're saying, that's out, God, I'm not going to do it. But first issue, if this hasn't been settled, we don't even want to talk about that. The first issue is this. Jesus said in John chapter 3, you must be born again. You must have this new, new eternal life. And that comes when I trust in that shed blood. Okay, I realize I need that. I need that. Okay, well, Jesus will clean up my life, so that's why I'm coming to him. Here's the thing. Without him, I'm a lost sinner. Okay? I, the Bible talks about me being an enemy of, of God until I place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and the work of Calvary that he did, shedding his blood for me. You know, I'm, uh, I'm having uh, some definite brain issues today. Not that I got up in the middle of a song. That didn't happen. Uh... <laughs> But, uh, but I also, you know, normally I think through while, while we're singing, I think, hey, this would be a great song to close with. And uh, Adam, if you don't mind just coming up and picking one, because I didn't pick one. I'm um, having some brain issues. But I want us to sing a little bit at the end, partly so that we take a couple minutes too, and maybe even while everybody else is singing, if the Lord would have you instead, to spend a little time in prayer and just say, God, uh, you're leaving the counseling session today. Okay, you're walking on, not me, not me, I'm not the counselor. 
you're leaving the counseling session with Jesus. And uh, is there something that he has highlighted and, and given you a little homework? There's something you ought to work on. And much more importantly than that, let me go back to the main issue. You must be born again. That's, that's what the scripture says very plainly. We must know Jesus Christ in a personal way because we have trusted him for forgiveness of sin. And even during the time when we sing, you might say, hey, I think he's right. That's not me. That's the Holy Spirit of God saying, he's right. You need me. I died for you. Trust in me. Believe in me. And you can do that. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I need forgiveness. I know that Jesus died for me. I trust in him. It's kind of that simple. It's not the words you say. It's the prayer of your heart. So I'm going to pray. We're going to sing another closing song, hopefully with an opportunity for you to figure out why God wants you in his counseling office this morning. Father, I do, yeah, it has been discombobulated, a lot of things in my mind, but I'm reminded that without you, this is, this is a waste of time anyway, no matter how well organized I come across or no matter how I present things. Uh, I know that your Holy Spirit is the one who is going to do anything that lasts into eternity. So we commit even the next few moments of our service to you and to his working in our lives that we might surrender to what he's brought us here for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.